And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, new paradigms for a new world where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I'll go through the preliminaries a little bit later because I want to jump right into our conversation today. Today's subject, it can be codified down into one word, legacy. What will they say about you when you are gone? And that's basically creating a life of legacy. Our guest, and I have to tell my guest that he is one of my favorite people. I have had some of the most incredible conversations uh, most enlightening for me from rabbis and Rabbi Daniel Cohen. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, hosting me today. I appreciate it. I'll tell you that uh, you, uh, I, I, I only know smatterings of the level of study and education that you go through. Um, and, and yet it's ongoing. It's just because you become a rabbi doesn't mean, okay, I know it all now. <laughs> Not at all, by the way, that my, one of my key teachers said to me, once you become a rabbi, it's your license to start studying. Exactly. It's a lifelong journey, lifelong. I will tell you that it's uh, frustrating for many, uh, because there are things that I have been, that have been shared with me <clears throat> in regards to my own uh, personal faith as a kid growing up uh, Roman Catholic uh, introduced then uh, at the age of 23 to the Byzantine rite of the Catholic church and learning so much about that aspect. But then as I got older and older, I began to hear more and more and learn more and more about the Jewish faith, uh, the Aleph bet and the 22 letters and each letter has its own legend and so forth. And uh, it's just incredible how that builds and builds and builds. And if only we had been taught these kinds of things, including Hebrew, it would have been great because we would have understood, I think, a whole lot more. Uh, what we're going to understand today is uh, this aspect of legacy. And we talk about it pretty regularly here on this program. You obviously have a legacy of your own as a rabbi because of the people uh, that you come in contact with, uh, you know, at the at the temple or even just on the street and so forth, because of the of the course that your life has taken. Let's start there in terms of your life of legacy. When did you decide that it was time to pursue this particular? Do I want to call it a vocation? I don't think it's correct to call it a career. I wouldn't even maybe call it's it a, a life. A life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would also think about it as a calling, and I'll put it in this framework that, you know, God asks a question to humanity at the very beginning of time. After Adam and Eve, uh, you know, sin in the Garden of Eden, God says to them, where are you? Ayaka is a Hebrew, where are you? And everybody understands that, of course, God knew where, a where Adam and Eve were, but it was a reflective call for Adam and Eve to ask themselves, where are you? Is this the real you? What do you want out of life? What, what really do you want to accomplish? And that notion of being aware that every day God is calling on all of us to be the best version of ourselves, to ensure that we're not pursuing counterfeit pleasures, mm -hmm. but real meaning, to not take every day for granted, but lead life with a sense of, of, of appreciation is something that we all have inside of us. The question is, which I think you're asking is, when did I decide that I wanted to more intentionally 
tap into that frequency and that calling. So number one, I credit my parents, you know, growing up. Um, it's not that I was born and my parents said, you're going to be a rabbi. I mean, I had no idea. <laughs> um, but I would say that both my mother of blessed memory and my father are very grateful people. I always felt that, you know, no matter what was going on, you'd ask my mother how she was doing. She'd say, thank God, fantastic. There was a sense that, you know, we had to be grateful every day. My father would always say to me, you know, when I was kind of, I would say, getting a little bit lost in pursuing things that weren't that important. He would say to me, remember who you are. What are you here for? I remember having a call with him when I was in college in my first year, and I was thinking of going into, you know, doing something in film or like arts. And he said, what are you doing? Like, what's your purpose here? Do you really want to waste, spend all your time on that? Um, but mm. then, unfortunately, I had a tragic incident in my life that really, of course, deepened the sense that I wanted to lead a life of legacy was the uh, sudden passing of my mother. Um, I grew up in Atlanta. I'm the oldest of six children. My mom was 44 years old, and uh, I was visiting my mom's parents uh, without a care in the world, and I got a phone call that she had a brain aneurysm, and within four, 24 hours, she had a second brain aneurysm. Mm. She went into a coma, and then she and she passed away, and my entire life was turned upside down, and I realized that then very intimately and tragically, that life can change in an instant. We think that everything is going to be remain the same, but you know we don't know that, and life is fleeting. And then the real pivot moment for me is when I was in my early twenties when my mom passed away. But then when I got to the same age as my mother, which was forty-four, I began to reflect on: Am I doing the most that I can with the life that God has given me to help make this world a better place? And it was really in that in that year that I really began to think more deeply about not only could I lead a life of legacy, but how do I inspire others to do it? And the other piece of this is, is in the, in the rabbinate, you know, there are people, for example, that I'll never see in synagogue, but maybe somebody's sick and they'll call me up and say, rabbi, pray for me. And then, I, and then, because they have that brush with mortality. And then mm -hmm. I may not hear from them again. It's not because God forbid somebody died, but now they don't feel that sense that life is fragile. So I asked myself, how can I help people? And this is the concept behind the book. Identify the best version of yourself while you're healthy and then reverse engineer your life with seven principles to lead the life now for how you want to be remembered. And, that, and that's really been my calling and mission, you know, for the past seven, eight years in a very intentional way. Wow. Well, I, I, you and I share some commonalities. Uh, I am also uh, one of six in my parents' uh, uh, lineage, oh, wow. if you will. I am not the oldest. I am the oldest male. And I was named after my father, but it never really, it didn't dawn on, to, on me until I stood before a crowd, a small, small crowd at my father's memorial uh, two months ago. And wow. I had a written piece of, a piece of paper with all of my remarks on it that I was going to make. I mean, literally word for word. And as I'm walking mm. up there, I thought, you need to introduce yourself. You need to let them know that your father had an impact in mm -hmm. your life. And so when I went up there, I, I said, I am Richard Les Dugan. And my father's name was Les Richard Dugan. 
Wow. And it, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks uh, that, wow, he really had. And this was one of the frustrations he had was that he didn't feel that really he made a difference in our lives. He would give my mother all of the credit for raising us. Mm. Now, yes, my mother deserves a huge amount of credit, but the, the, the theme of the memorial, and this was not something that was uh, uh, done beforehand, was, Dad, we would not be the people we are today if it hadn't been for you. Now, I know that he knows that today, mm -hmm. but he didn't believe it then uh, but when he was here uh, in this world. Um, your father, is your father still alive? Yeah, thank God. My dad um, is just celebrated his 80th birthday. Oh, after wow. My, yeah, yeah. After my mom passed away a couple years later, he remarried a very nice woman. Mm -hmm. um, but he, thank God, is very well and enjoying the uh, the bounty of, thank God, good health and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I have found fascinating, too. Uh, back when I was a youngster, uh, we had four generations living. My great-grandmother on my mother's side. And of course, my grandmother, my mother, my sisters. And then my great grandmother passed and we were, of course, back down to three. And then my uh, eldest sister, who has also since passed, she went before my father. Mm. And I think that's uh, one reason why my father, he just didn't want to be here anymore. Uh, and he left a year later. But um, she had a daughter who then had two children. So now my mother is a great grandmother, as my father was a great grandfather. I became yeah. a great uncle. It was just like, wow, this is we're back to four gen. I don't know why that makes a big deal to me, but it, obviously I'm concerned you know, about that. Yeah, well, I would say, you know, this is you're raising a very important point because we all want to touch eternity in some way. That's just who we are. We want to mm -hmm. feel that we've made a difference. Yeah. And when we have multiple generations that we know will outlast us, but will embody the values that were important to us we feel that we become eternal and that, that's you know that's that's ultimately what we're here to, to 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 move the world forward in a positive place and it gives us deeper pleasure than we can ever imagine possible than any good hamburger can do any trip i mean it's deep <laughs> it touches the soul it touches yes. the soul yes rabbi daniel cohen is my guest what will they say about you when you're gone can you answer that question for me folks i hope that you can as we continue here on tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and uh, it is a genuine pleasure as i i constantly say this especially when i get uh, folks such as yourself a rabbi on my program because uh, i get to tap into some some great knowledge um but there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. And I know that as you shared with us at the beginning about Adam and Eve and God saying, where are you? Uh, what, what struck me was it wasn't, as you said, it wasn't because he didn't know where, where God, God didn't know where they were. It was right. a question directed to them where they were. Now that you've done this, that I asked you not to do now, where are you now? What right. are you going to do now? Who are you? And so on and so forth. It was it was half rhetorical, I think, in one sense, but also 
asking them just like uh, he I think God asks each one of us where are where are where am I where am I now where am I in my life not so much yeah. uh, you know a uh, hundred thousand steps down the path no that's not it's not it's not geography here it's it's more more philosophical I guess it's, right yeah no a hundred percent and um you know for me one of the things that I reflect on a lot and it's something that King David speaks about in the book of Psalms you know, King David had this unique ability to recognize, as it says in Psalm 16, that God is in front of him always, that he that he was focused on his, his spiritual legacy, his purpose. And, you know, the very last words of Psalms are very instructive and I think something that we can all appreciate. And I hearken back before I share those words to a story at the height of COVID. There was a man who was 94 years old in Italy who had to be put on a ventilator. And thank God he survived. And on his way out of the hospital, he was given the bill for a ventilator for one day. And he began to cry. And the doctor turned to him and said, are you crying because you can't pay the bill for a ventilator? He said, I'm crying because I've been breathing God's air for free for 94 years. And now I know how much one day's breath is worth. Oh, King wow. David says... Yeah. King David says at the end of Psalms, I thank you, God, for every breath that I take. You know, during COVID, people weren't able to do that. And I truly believe that every moment God is investing in me, his love, his belief. And then I am empowered and invested with that gift to try to spread God's light in the world. And we live in a world where people are moving so fast. They're not conscious of the gift of every breath. And to me, that's kind of where the core thing is that be aware that we matter, be aware that the world needs us and that we have something unique to give that nobody else in the universe can give. And that will enrich our life and sense of purpose every single day. My mother shared with, uh, with us children, and I've shared this on the program before, but she did it individually. She shared with each one of us. She would say to us, you are unique and you are special. And there was a point in time when some, we got together as kids and we said, oh, yeah, mom said that I was unique. Well, mom said I was unique, too. At first, the observation from my perspective was, well, shoot, she said it to each one of us. So it kind of diminishes what she said until I thought about <laughs> it, until I thought about it long and hard. And it's like, no, wait a minute. No, it doesn't diminish it. It actually makes it that much more uh, uh, profound that each one of us, the six of us in particular, uh, were unique. Do you feel that somehow in our society, this is, I think, really truly part of what we may or may not leave as a legacy in this world, you think that that's part of the, 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 the issue that we're dealing with that people, they have not realized and it hasn't been enforced, whether it be in family or church or school or wherever that they are unique, that they are special. And we're not talking about egotism. We're not talking about, uh, narcissism here, we're talking about a healthy understanding and a healthy, appropriate pride in 
who you are, not what you do. It's kind of what you said earlier. For example, your legacy. Do you want to be remembered as Rabbi Daniel Cohen or do you want to be just remembered as Daniel Cohen? What a nice guy. He gave of himself. He did this, that, blah, 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 blah. What are your thoughts on all of that? Well, first of all, I know what they're going to say about you. I mean, you are a nice guy. I can tell. <laughs> thoughtful guy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. And I know, I know you aren't soliciting that, but it's the truth. Um, I, I think that one of the obstacles that people have is that in this world, we are bombarded by messages that our happiness and success is defined by emulating others. You will, like, you look on the TV, you look at, notice, you know, Everybody is trying to receive accolades and fit into a particular model of what other people see as success. The definition of real happiness and success, which isn't always conveyed, is that are we realizing the divine potential for which God put us in the world? And God is not looking for us to do the same thing. Because we all imagine the way I like to look at it is we all play a different instrument in a divine symphony to bring God's light in the world. And if somebody may be a drummer, somebody may play a trumpet, somebody may be violin, but we all need to play our own instruments to this huge heavenly score, which is to recognize God's divinity in every human being and to anticipate opportunities for kindness. And then we're gonna make some, some wonderful music. And you know, in, in Jewish theology, one of the obstacles is that people think, think too little of themselves and say, the world is nuts. What am I going to do? And I, and I always tell people that God is not asking us to change the world, but God is asking us to change the world of one person every day to find my corner of the universe that can use a little more hope in place of despair and healing in place of brokenness. And that's the way the world will move forward. And that's the way I'll make a difference. And one light that I can shine in this corner God will take that light and hopefully bring bring a tremendous amount of light from it. So I, I do think that when it comes to legacy, people underestimate what that means. It doesn't mean that I have to you know, be this great leader of a company or be what it's in your little world. Are you ensuring that anybody that leaves your orbit is feeling better about themselves than when they entered your orbit? And then you will you will create a legacy that will be eternal. Mm. One of the things that I, I, I like about uh, what I do here is the fact that um, as far as, for example, YouTube, uh, there's no I'm not paying any premium. So everything that I put up there is going to be up there in perpetuity. Uh, unfortunately, the the SoundCloud aspect of it, I do pay for that. And the day that I stop paying for that, it'll be cut down to I don't know what the what the size is, but. Nonetheless, um, I do it anyway, uh, and it's it's important to me. And and you know, you talk about that phrase, changing the world. When I was a kid growing up, we were told don't don't think about changing the world. It's just too big. It's too big a bite to take, right? And maybe from the standpoint of a child. But here I am, sixty three years old, and I want to change the world. Now I'm going to do it in little bites. I'm not going to try to you know. Uh, go out there and become something that I'm not. I made the mistake of talking with a politician once and saying that I would never get into politics because I have too much integrity. And then it was shortly thereafter that I learned that he was a member of the city council. And I'm going, oops. 
(laughs) (laughs) But I'll do my little part where I'm at. And uh, just as you are doing your part, and uh, you are Rabbi Daniel Cohen, and uh, my guest has written a, a fascinating book. I think that it's it's very interesting to to read through this. We're going to get into some more of this as we continue uh, talking about what will they say about you when you are gone here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, my very special guest, Rabbi Daniel Cohen, is uh, here with us to discuss many aspects of legacy as we continue here. Um, One of the elements I'd like to talk about um, that I find interesting, especially because of the group of a certain segment of our specifically American uh, United U.S. uh, society, uh, that is a group of people that that claim to have a particular faith. And... um, and yet, they have this perspective of um, almost um, uh, wanting to change the world, but using, I can't think of any other word to use other than uh, a somewhat violent means. Um, that happened, of course, at one level in Jan- on January 6th of 2021. Very, very sad day. Uh, you know, you thought 9-11 was bad, but I got to tell you, that was I couldn't believe what I was watching. And and it was not a tour group. I'm sorry, it was not a tour group. But why the world needs more faith uh, and not less in that in the sense that. In the in the New Testament, uh, it talks, uh, I think it was uh, when he was uh, talking, Jesus was talking a Sermon on the Mount and he was saying, look. Mm-hmm. You know, you're concerned about, you know, where your next meal is coming from and what you're going to wear, where you're going to lay your head tonight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see that bird up in the tree? And I'm paraphrasing, folks. Okay, I'm not King Jimmy. Um, Do you see that bird up in the tree? It doesn't toil. All right. It, It does its thing. It lives its natural life. And guess what? It's taken care of. You are one of God's children. How much more will God take care of you? And that's philosophy I have lived by for many years. That's how I wound up, my wife and I wound up here in Santa Barbara. Um, Mm. And uh, I'll share that story another time. But this aspect of faith, um, it just seems as though nobody is, is, is actually trusting God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, uh, or him, uh, how your perspective is. Um, they don't want to trust. They, they, it's, 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 it's as if our society has jaded so many people. What are your, what are your thoughts? You just throw a lot out on the table. Let me see if I can pick. Um, I have a few thoughts about that. Sure. I do believe that there's been a, diminishment of faith that has definitely upended uh, the morality of our society. I'll I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, Democracy was founded on the belief that even when there are no external regulations, people will do the right thing because of inner motivation. In other words, we're not in a totalitarian state. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is, you know, if you're looking to foster ethical behavior, um, there has to be a, a higher a sense that there's a higher power to whom I'm accountable. The increase in 
violence and theft in uh, in diminishment of others um, and demeaning others, even if they disagree because they disagree with us, is to me a reflection, unfortunately, the fact that people are not cognizant of the notion that every human being is created in God's image, which to me would be the fastest way to get rid of any racism or bigotry, and also would uplift uh, society. You know, when we live in a world where, unfortunately, there are now flash mobs of theft and people are just deciding what to do, whether it is if it's they're going to be caught or not, that to me is primarily a result of, of a person not recognizing uh, that other people have, have, have rights and that ultimately I need to do the right thing, even if, if, even if we're not going to be caught. So that's number one. So I think, I think that's where we need more faith. A second dimension of it is, is that with faith comes humility. It comes a sense that I can't accomplish everything on my own. I mean, the lack of bipartisanship in our, in our government, the inability for people to really listen to another point of view, to me is also a, reflects a lack of faith, you know, that there are positive things that other people can say, even if, even if, even if they're of a different, of a different party. You know, I think also um, the drive to accumulate um, as opposed to to give. you know, at the end of the day, we're takers or we're givers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said in my community that I hope we live in a world where we don't need any more food drives. What do I mean by that? There's absolutely no reason why everybody who goes shopping every week shouldn't just buy one thing and drop it off in a food box outside the supermarket. That's a faith driven. That means that. If I have bounty, God didn't give it to me now because it's all for me. Mm-hmm. He entrusted it to me so that I could be his ambassador in the world. So I, mean, I do believe that the world will be a radically different place. I do believe that you know you have the separation of church and state to a degree. But I think this desire to push God out of, uh, of our interactions has come at a cost. And my hope is we, you know, we can all work together to you know, reorient people around whatever faith it is, but to know that it's not all about them. It's about being accountable to a higher power, a sense of mission, and also to recognize the face of God in every human being. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It's 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 a sad state of affairs when, you know, we we see, and of course this we were told this uh, before the uh, before the midterms, for example, using using that arena, if you will. Uh, that uh, one party was going to go after the other party. I mean, and they're still looking. They're still looking for yeah. victims that they can attack and so forth instead of doing the people's business, instead of making sure that, uh, you know, whatever budget is passed, you know, includes this, that, and the other thing that is necessary for the rest of us, the citizens who are paying the bills, uh, mind you. Yeah. Uh, that, And it's like, wait a minute. How is this the people's business going after, going after, going after, you know? And then, you know, you have uh, a lot of other things going on where accusations are made. And then the response is not addressing the accusations, if you will, the the allegations, I should say, uh, but deflecting. You know, yeah, I know what you're saying about this person over here, but what about this person and this person and this person? It's like, we're not talking about those people. You want to go after them? Fine. Let's deal with this person over here. What's going on? Why is it that this person 
is is uh, uh, um, the way they are, and you continue to support them in spite of what looks like pretty ironclad uh, evidence that uh, they have uh, they've broken the law. You know, we're not going to talk about anybody else but this person. Let's deal with that here right now. Don't deflect. Don't redirect. Stay focused. Uh, and let's get through this, move on. And that's the, that's the other thing, too, is that we can't seem to move on. Everybody wants to stay. No. It's like, I'm surprised it's it's 20, 22 years later. And we're <laughs> are, are we still complaining about 9-11? It's uh, 50, 60, 70 years later. Are we still whining and complaining about Pearl Harbor? Um, you know, uh, it's uh, over 100 years. Are we still complaining about the Titanic? You know, and the poor craft, if, if this is true, the poor craftsmanship and so on. Move on. Get over it. You know, uh, but by the same token, I try not to listen to the news. It is not worth it. You're a good man. It is not worth it. Now, the irony is that I've been working for 44 years at different news talk and information stations. So I still hear it. I still hear it. Uh, But I want to ask you in regards to uh, outside sources of, of, shall we call it influence, that sort of distract us from the goal if you will and i don't know if you, if you want to call it a goal per se in terms of one's personal legacy um but the, the outside sources tend to distract us from those kinds of things everything that i've just mentioned in that regard uh, if i stay focused on that stuff when am i going to have time to do interviews because i'm sitting around complaining moaning and groaning and playing the victim because the, to me that's what a complainer is they are playing the victim well there's first of all a couple of things i always recommend that everybody has a worry box i don't know if you've heard about that a worry yeah. box means you should allocate 10 minutes a day let's say to worry about everything going on in the world and then if if, if you've passed that 10 minutes you just push it off till tomorrow because every moment that we spend complaining and worrying is a moment lost to do something positive within the world. And I think that you're right. When a person complains, all they're doing is um, is um, removing themselves from taking personal responsibility to actually try to choose life, do something positive, and move the world forward. And that, that I do believe is one of the, the, the challenges because it's very easy. And the government does a disservice when it, and people, when they continue to remind individuals that they're victims, because all it does is it releases those people from taking ownership over their life um, to try to, to try to, to try to move things forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, what separates us from the animals, and we are, we have a, we're created in divine image with free choice. Moses says at the very end of his life, today, I give you the choice between life and death blessing and curse. And then he says, choose life, choose life. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's interesting. I was giving counsel to a fellow with a few people, a few few kids, a few, about a few weeks ago. And he says, Rabbi, after all is said and done, give me one word to give me a little bit of motivation as I leave this meeting. And I said to him, choose life. Mm -hmm. That means when you're interacting with your wife, it's everything is positive. You're interacting with your kids, 
your focus totally on them. You see somebody, you're, you're giving people the benefit of the doubt. You're choosing life. And I think that when we choose life and we take um, the opportunities to be an ambassador for life and light, um, the world will be elevated around us. And, and that's kind of, to me, uh, where, where our heads need to be. And I say to people, I do not, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't have my phone with me when I go to bed. I leave it downstairs because why in the world do I want to open up my phone is the first thing that goes into my head in the morning. I want to thank God. I want to say some prayers. I want to fortify my soul and my mind so that when I do hear this stuff, it deflects right off me because mm. I know that I got my head, I got my head on straight. It's, it's kind of like the, um, it's uh, uh, th th this analogy just came to me. I don't know why I I've often said the universe asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. Uh, the analogy of um, a duck and a duck's wings as feathers have this oil on it that mm. deflects, if you will, water I heard about this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, of course, if they get caught up in one of these oil slicks, that that changes the whole dynamic. But under normal circumstances, there's that oil that they've got on their uh, on their feathers that allows them to basically yeah. stay dry. So that's kind of what you're talking about in that respect. And boy, we need a lot of that um, metaphorical oil right now because um, I my one of my one of my tasks in service is not to put forth particular perspectives and say I'm right. Mine is to look at a particular situation and see if I can't explain to people how ludicrous that is. It doesn't make any mm. sense. It doesn't mesh, you know, uh, and, and it's, I'm not saying that that perspective in terms of, of looking at those kinds of things makes any sense. And a lot of people have helped me to develop that. Uh, and, and, and this is interesting how, this one, I was listening to this one comedian who was talking about the issue of, of pro-life and they were going around asking people on the street. So do you think God is pro-life? Oh yes, God is pro-life. Okay. But what about the old Testament where God killed this tribe and that tribe and the other tribe uh, for the Jews, for the Jewish people, for Israel and so forth. And then they stammer. So, well, then God isn't really pro-life. He's, you know, you might even, and this is this guy talking here. He's, actually, you might even say he's kind of racist because he's only in favor of the Jews. He didn't care about anybody else. But And then what about Noah and the ark and what God uh, created the flood and killed everybody off, but fa Noah's family and all the animals? Is that pro-life? And, and I mean, this, this was the kind of mindset this guy was kind of putting out there saying, you need to take a better look. Because I think about that in our modern day and say, what about the people in prison? What about the people on death row? Is the reason for a prison exclusively to punish? Or is there such a thing as rehabilitation? I also know there's recidivism also. But isn't that where, I mean, God forgives if we genuinely ask for it, he forgives and maybe we'll put in our path those things that will help us to change our path so that we can then begin to live that life of legacy, right? No, I would say, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a beautiful statement in the, in the Talmud that says, and it's based on a verse, 
that says that we hope that the sinners stop sinning, but not that we're looking to destroy the sinner. In other words, we believe that everybody is created with a pure soul. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody, of course, is effectuating um, evil, you know, it has to be either they have to abandon what they're doing, or if they're not going to abandon what they're doing, <laughs> then they have to be, then they can't exist. You know, you take the Nazis, for example. I mean, there are evil people that exist. Sure. At the same time, the goal is for people to stop doing what they're doing and obviously, you know, reflect a life that is, that is, that is truly a divine life. And, um, you know, that, that's a very important message. I mean, even with, look, you mentioned with, Ju- with Judaism, of course, you know, it's not the, the notion of chosenness, by the way, you know, Judaism believes that every human being has an opportunity to have a share in the world to come. Chosenness doesn't mean better than, it just means a unique mission gu- guided by the 613 principles of the Torah. Mm-hmm. But, at the, but at the end of the day, every human being is created in God's image and every human being is tasked with leading a life that is a godly life. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the seven Noahide laws, which are considered, uh, you know, leading leading an ethical life, which is, you know, whether it's morally, whether it's in terms of setting up a just judicial system. And, you know, that's, that's the overall, that's the, that's the overall goal that we're trying to inspire people to. And, you know, the notion of, the question in the book that I had is, you know, what will they say about you when you're gone? Somebody said, I don't really care. They said that to me. I said, that's not the point. The point is, is that most people, when they have either their own brush with mortality, somebody sitting in the hospital, I've seen it, or somebody loses a loved one, it's literally a moment when there is an opportunity for true self-reflection about removing ego and thinking about what are the kind of people they really want to be. The tragedy sometimes is that that lasts for 15 minutes yeah, and then people are distracted. So my goal is to help people live with that inspiration on a regular basis so that we're not just allowing the time to go, but we're actually making sure that every day counts to build that legacy, to make an impact on the world around us. And then, of course, there are a lot of people who are living uh, outside of some of these uh, uh, um, uh, institutions, uh, the jails and prisons and so forth, uh, who are just as much in prison because they have not learned that there are other choices. And I believe that's the term. They have not learned. They haven't been taught that there are other ways of living. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and it may be due to uh, a lack of formal education. It may be due to the fact that they have been in some of these uh, programs uh, that perpetuate. I mean, for generations have perpetuated the attitude that the government is going to take care of me and um, and so forth. And it's like, well, see, I myself personally, when I was in my 20s, early 20s, uh, after I got out of high school, um I was on uh, I was on Social Security for a short time. I was grateful for it. And 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 I got off it and I got back. I got to work and I started doing what I'm doing now. Uh, I am now headed towards the other end of that Social Security thing where I'll be getting uh, a few dollars here and there. And then that's I, you know, I paid into that fund. So, you know, there you go. But. It seems to me that. um we need to, and maybe the, the 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 word educate is not 
the correct word, but we need to open people's eyes who have only had, who have only felt that they've had one choice or maybe two, that there are more choices than you can shake a stick at, that you have opportunities that a lot of people uh, uh, didn't have who came before you. But if they aren't shown that they have them, how are they going to choose them? You know? Well, I think that, that I think that's also um, the value of big brother, big sister, of having role models. And unfortunately, look, you know, I, I'm blessed, you know, and I felt my, my parents were just such, and God willing, again, my father, she loved me well, but I grew up in a home where I had the blessing of having role models and not everybody does. And then, but it's important, you know, you, you look back on people's lives and you ask them, who are the one or two people that came into your life? that really was influential in helping you become who you are. And maybe somebody at work that put, an, put, put their arm around your shoulder mm. and maybe somebody who said, you know, I'm going to take an interest in this young kid and help him or her. Um, and I think that, you know, we have to be on the lookout, which to me is also a way that we create legacy who maybe is in our neighborhood, in our orbit that could use a little bit of counsel or wisdom or, or, or a little extra push because not everybody is blessed with the sort of role models that might inspire them to lead that sort of life. Yeah. It's like I was talking about my father earlier and I have to tell you that two things. Number one, there are thousands of people that are responsible for me being where I am right now talking with you. If it hadn't been for them, I would not be here right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, and yeah. And uh, so it's, it's, it, it uh, it goes without saying, but it needs to be said that nobody does what they do. Nobody leaves a legacy without others in their lives. Uh, and that's, of course, the reason why uh, I know that my parents, um, uh, uh, at least my father, I guess, uh, as I said before, he he knows now that he left one heck of a fantastic legacy. You know, if I were to go down the, the path of my uh, four sisters and my brother, you know, they've they've done the same thing. They've helped other people along the way who have helped other people along the way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just it's just uh, I don't want to say a snowball effect, uh, you know, but it's it's uh, sort of like the dominoes, you know, being tipped. I love watching those videos, too, right. by the way. <laughs> those are fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, we're, talk yeah. we're talking with uh, Rabbi Daniel uh, Cohen, and uh, the book that he has written is, uh, of course, What Will They Say About You When You Are Gone? And um, I, I uh, first of all, uh, appreciate the kind words earlier in the program, but by the same token, there's no guarantee. And I don't do what I do for necessarily that purpose. In other words, it's not necessarily my intent. Well, that's a question I have for you. Is that something that we need to have a, a special uh, focused intent on in terms of leaving a legacy, uh, whether it be writing a book or doing interviews or building buildings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? No, I mean, I, I don't think <laughs> that we should be thinking about, you know, what's my legacy? Again, I use this as a trigger to think about the fact that we all have this kind of unique potential every day to uh, to make to make a difference in the world around us, and one of the strategies that I they speak about is 
you know, everybody has what I call, you, you're familiar with the term mitzvah? You know what a mitzvah uh, yes, is? Uh-huh. A mitzvah is like, yeah, mitzvah is a commandment or a kind deed. I said, every human being has what I call a mobile mitzvah hotspot. A mobile mitzvah hotspot. Mm-hmm. A hotspot on your phone means that, of course, if somebody comes into that, that orbit, they can plug into the Wi-Fi or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There's a very powerful mystical idea that if somebody comes into my radar in my orbit, be that at the supermarket, be it in my home, be it on the street, there's an opportunity for me to create an eternal memory. There's an opportunity for me to uplift the person that is right in front of me. And to me, it's not an issue of thinking about what will they say about you. It's an issue of being mindful that in every moment I can find meaning. And then in the fleeting moments of time, I can bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. Mm-hmm. That awareness that no encounter is random. And that I have this opportunity to reveal some hidden spark in a conversation in the world is truly the way to lead a life of legacy. It's about being fully present. You know, it reminds me, there's a, there's a great scene with Tom Hanks in the movie uh, about uh, Mr. Rogers where there's a, uh, the fellow, the reporter, calls him up on the phone, and Mr. Rogers says to the reporter, do you know what I'm thinking about right now? And the reporter says, I don't know what you're thinking about now. So Mr. Rogers says, the only person in the world I'm thinking about right now is you. And it's, I am fully present with you right now. And that's the way you create a memory. That's the way you create a legacy. Too often our minds and bodies and souls are not aligned and we get nothing done and we don't make a difference. And people say, he didn't really hear what I said and he didn't even notice that I was there. But one smile from across the room, one door opening for somebody in that moment, that's maybe what they needed. I'll just share one of the story. I know you like stories, but (laughs) a congregate of mine recovered from cancer, thank God, at Sloan Kettering, which is a great institution in New York City, Sloan Kettering Memorial Cancer Center. And I said to him, I said, tell me what you loved about that place. What did you like? And he said to me, I'll never forget the doorman. As I was leaving the hospital, the doorman said to me two things. I'm praying for you. And I hope I never see you again. (laughs) And that was 10 seconds of the doorman. But I can mention, you know how how much legacy that doorman has? because of those little interactions where he gives somebody a little bit of hope as they're leaving and a, and a kind word, we all can do that. Yeah. It's, it's incredible how little it takes. It does not yes, take much. Uh, and, and to me, that's rather astounding uh, that it, it takes so little to make a difference in someone's life. We're talking with Rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Cohen. We're talking about his latest work, and that is, uh, what will they say about you when you are gone? It is creating a life of legacy. Uh, and um, just being who you are is so important as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. One of the things that uh, we are talking about here with, uh, <clears throat> with Rabbi Cohen is, this aspect of leaving a legacy uh, and learning who you are. I mean, really who you are, really uh, deep down inside um, and, and who you are, you have a title of rabbi, uh, certainly with the education to back it up. Certainly. 
But that isn't really who Daniel Cohen is, is it? You know what? Whether a rabbi, lawyer, that's what we do. That's not who we are. What I try to be is somebody who, uh, you know, walks in the ways of God, who, 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 who shares kind words with people, who leads a life of authenticity, a uh, good father, you know, a person who, who really just tries to emulate a God. You know, I think about it, you know, somebody who takes the life that God has given me and shares that as often as I can. And I think you're right. People sometimes confuse their roles with their souls. Mm. Your roles with your souls. You're an accountant. That's not who you are. That's what you do. And the problem is, is that's why people have so many struggles when they retire. That's why Michael Jordan re-retired, re-retired, and re-retired <laughs> because I guess his life was defined by basketball. But you know, we have to nurture who we really are. That's just a tool, what we do. But who we are are hopefully people that emulate God's, you know, God's uh, attributes in, in the life that we lead. Mm. Uh, I was I was listening to um, this is sort of a sidebar thing. I was listening to George Carlin and he was comparing Catholicism to Judaism and the paradox that he sees. And he says in the in the Catholic Church, you know, men are, are supposed to take their hats off and uh, women can leave their hats on. But in Judaism, men are supposed to put their hats on. In this case, it's a yarmulke. And uh, women are supposed to make sure they take their hats off. It's so confusing. Uh, and I thought, okay, uh, may I ask, you're wearing a yarmulke, correct? I am, yeah. What is the, what is the, the meaning of uh, the yarmulke in this context as far as, because I am wanting to learn more about, I, I've told people many times because of what I've learned thus far, that if I was going to convert to anything, it would be Judaism uh, only because I love the mysticism, especially, uh, but there's also that ritual, the ceremony, the mitzvahs, and so forth, the bat and bar mitzvahs, uh, and 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 also the uh, the weekly is it a seder weekly? It's a weekly Shabbat. Shabbat, Shabbat. Weekly Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's interesting. The, the word yamaka is actually two words combined. It's which means yare malka which is fear of God or God's awe. So the notion of having the yarmulke is a reminder that God is above me always. We believe, by the way, it says this in the book of Genesis, that women have a deeper spiritual intuition. Women are more spiritually sensitive. That's why, and they're just more mature. A, a, a young girl becomes a bat mitzvah at 12. A boy needs an extra year of maturation. Boy takes 13. We, we're just more base. So a woman doesn't have the same commandments, not because she is inferior, because, but, but rather because she doesn't need all these reminders. Um, so that's why I, have, I wear a yarmulke, but my six daughters, they don't wear it. doesn't mean they're not devout. They're very devout, mm -hmm. but they don't need these extra reminders. Uh, I'm curious, too, uh, the, the, the holy book, if you will, that you folks, uh, that the Jews, uh, Judaism uh, uses, uh, is not quote unquote, the Bible. It is, am I correct? The Torah, which is the Old Testament. Well, yeah, it's the Old Testament. The Torah is the five books of Moses, the books of the prophets, the books of the scriptures. And it ends with the book of Malachi, Malachi. We mm -hmm. also believe the Torah uh, is 
reflected in the works of the Talmud, which is the oral tradition that was committed to writing a couple thousand years ago. But primarily the main book is the first five books we believe is divine. And Moses just wrote it down. But what makes it eternal, we makes the five books of Moses, we believe are literally an eternal guide for every generation um, to lead, lead a divine life. Is there anything in the New Testament that is utilized? I mean, I have a radio show with a reverend, so he quotes the New Testament all the time. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of wisdom in there. You know, there's mm -hmm. clearly wisdom, you know, that we, we draw on. You know, obviously there's certain things we disagree on, but, mm -hmm. but it's a friendly disagreement because Christianity is a different faith than Judaism. But, yeah. you know, Judaism believes very strongly, whether it's in Islamic faith or Christian faith, or doesn't mean there isn't wisdom in other faiths that we can draw upon as well. Mm -hmm. It's uh, truly uh, uh, um, uh, the focal point of of most of the. I like to refer to them as the uh, the major philosophies on the planet. Uh, that there is a creator, there is a God uh, who brought all of us into being, and is going to take care of us. But it's kind of hard for uh, the creator to take care of us if we're not living uh, the kind of life. That and, and we're not talking about, you know, uh, setting down a bunch of rules here in terms of how you should live your life. Uh, but yeah, but listening the, one of the things we promote on this program is going within and listening to that still small voice. And to me, that's that's a big that's key. That's exactly isn't it? it. That's a big key. That's the primary issue is that people aren't listening to the voice inside of them. They're listening to other people's voices. <laughs> They're listening to what society says they should be listening to. Um, yeah. But I, I believe that if we can tune out a lot of the um, static and the outside noise and truly tap into that inner voice inside of us, we will all lead better lives. Oh, yeah. Lives of legacy. Yep. Rabbi Daniel Cohen is my guest. RabbiDanielCohen.com, correct, is your website? Rabbi, w, yeah, RabbiDanielCohen.com, correct. Dot Thank com. you. Uh, the book is entitled, What Will They Say About You When You Are Gone? Creating a Life of Legacy. Uh, I know that my father, when he passed at the age of 91, um, he definitely did leave uh, one incredible legacy. Uh, I often have told people over the years, number one, that if somebody has been following me uh, for those 44 years that I've been doing this, and uh, taking notes, they could write my uh, unauthorized biography. Uh, and uh, the other uh, aspect of it is that my father made a, a huge impact on me with many of what I like to call his wise sayings. He never liked it when I referred to him as a wise man. Didn't like that at all. Uh, but basically, one of them was find a job that you love to do because you're going to be doing it for a long time. Don't get stuck like me. Well, that was before he went to college. And went to junior college and got his computer programming degree. And this was back in the 70s mm. when they had fan fold paper and wow. punch cards. So <laughs> got it. <laughs> Let crazy. me ask you before we wrap things up about, uh, you know, you've talked a little bit earlier about uh, how you became a rabbi. Um, was there a particular impetus that took you down this road to say, you know what, I need to focus uh, a writing of my own on this subject of legacy. Uh, was there something, some catalytic moment that said, I got to do this? 
You mean becoming a rabbi? No, no, no. Uh, writing the book about legacy. Well, I think it goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning, which was kind of, uh, you know, getting to the same age as my mom when she lost her life uh, mm-hmm. suddenly kind of created this inner awakening in me to be more intentional about mm-hmm. about writing about it, about about leading my best life. So mm-hmm. and I, I, I keep her front and center all the time. I feel her presence every day. Well, that's very cool. I, I feel the same way about my father. That's one of the neat things about that is even though, yes, I wish my father were still here with us in body. Uh, his was starting to break down a little bit. So he's free of that and he can see and hear perfectly. And now he can walk without falling down. Um, there you go. <laughs> but now instead of him being just in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where my parents and uh, sisters live, uh, he's everywhere. And that's what's so cool is I talk to him a yep. lot. And someone told me in terms of getting any messages from him, uh, they tell me you have to learn to listen faster because as your questions are being uttered, either aloud or in your head, he's already given you the answer. Right. You know, that's true. And, and, and that is so fascinating. Uh, is there a, is there a particular school of thought in regards to, do we want to call it the afterlife? Do we call it heaven? Do we call it another dimension? There is, uh, um, we call it, it's, there's something called the afterlife. Look, at the end of the day, the soul is eternal. And just because the body has, uh, you know, separated from the soul doesn't mean that there isn't some eternality that exists as well. And that's kind of the afterlife. Hmm. Um, yep. Have you ever have you ever heard of the concept of uh, there's a there's a practice by a Dr. Newton called life between lives? Um, no, I haven't. It's where you go into uh, through hypnosis and it's conscious. You are completely 100 percent aware because I've been through it myself where they take you back to your previous life. And again, I don't know if Judaism um, uh, teaches about um, uh, reincarnation or not, but. Yeah, we have, we do. Yeah. yeah, but it takes you back to your previous life, right before your passing, and through your passing into that realm between that life and the life that you're living today, and it's really yeah, fascinating yeah. the 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 that that information that they've gotten from individuals, independent and separately from one another. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, the reality is, is this all these interconnections? We believe that one one candle can light many flames and there definitely is an interconnection between different souls it's also said too i've heard this uh, that everybody that you associate with throughout your life is sort of a member of what they refer to as your cluster and that you've gone through Mm -hmm. many lives like you and i we've gone through many lives together but as different individuals, different roles and so forth and so on. It's to me uh, rather fascinating. And I definitely want to learn more. And I thank you for sharing with us the information that you have, the knowledge in regards to certain little aspects of Judaism, because uh, I think that my pleasure, (laughs) it's one of the problems we have is that people, we should have in school when they're teaching us about history, world history, they should be teaching us yeah. about those the faiths that exist. It's not a question of trying to convert anybody. It's a question of learning about them and understanding them. Right, right. Yeah, 100%. Well, I have three final questions. Time. Yeah. I, 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 hey, maybe we'll have you on here for a class. <laughs> I'd love to do that. 
That'd be a lot of fun. I have three final questions for you that I ask all of my guests. Uh, but before I do, I mentioned, folks, that I was going to give you the preliminaries. Well, I'm going to give them to you now before we wrap things up. You are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, we are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations, too numerous to mention here. And we are on YouTube, where you can watch these interviews. In either case, I hope that you'll click notification so that when I do post a new conversation, you'll be aware of it and you can go and listen to that conversation, such as this one that we've been having here with Rabbi da Daniel Cohen. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we would be so gratefully appreciative. We do have a PayPal account, and it is there for your security as well as ours. When you go there, you will put in my email address. That's to whom to send the support to. It's richard at richarddugan.com, richard at richarddugan.com. And then, as, as I mentioned earlier... If you would uh, spend some time during this, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, going within and listening to, as uh, uh, a rabbi has mentioned, listening to that still small voice. It'll never, it'll only steer yep. you right. Okay. And I don't mean making right turns all the time. Two rights don't make of a left, course. but I'll get you <laughs> off the freeway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, with all of that said, uh, the final three questions are number one, who is Daniel Cohen? A spark of the divine. What is your life's purpose? To <laughs> to shower the world with kindness without expectation of anything in return. To take God's light and life that he has given me and to uh, be God's uh, ambassador in the world. And finally... What was your best day? This moment right now with you. Well, uh, Rabbi Daniel Cohen, thank you <laughs> so much. This was this was a joy. I hope we can get together again. Congratulations on your impending, is it great or just grandfatherhood? A grandfatherhood, thank you. All right. And uh, we wish uh, good health and happiness to that new arrival. And uh, thank Amen. you so much thank for being you. a part of our program. You too. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you, my friend. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. Jeanette, I am still listening. And dad, be happy because I am. <laughs>